Hello there, and welcome to the Comic Book Tesseract, the only comics netcast that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I'm Justin Chalupka, alongside Jason Polieff. Join us as we review and preview the world of comics, along with other facets of geeky culture. We're back on track. Uh, back in the back in the saddle on the intro too, because there's some linguistic gymnastics in there. You and I both have said that we need to figure out a better way to write this so we don't trip over our own tongues. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and I'm halfway into my beer, so I think that was that that deserves a drink. All right. Well, uh, well, you go ahead and enjoy the drink. Uh, oh, that was something I was going to talk about. I was actually going to talk about the beer, too. Cause, what, what do you got to drink tonight? Uh, tonight is, oddly enough, because it normally wouldn't, a Sam Adams Double Bock. Sam Adams created an Imperial line, which includes three beers that I'm aware of. The Double Bock, which is this one, is actually their strongest at 10.1% ABV, alcohol per, vol- per volume. Or alcohol by volume, excuse me. The other two is an Imperial White and an Imperial Stout. Most Imperial Stouts are pretty stiff anyways. The Imperial White kind of intrigues me, though, because it's supposed to be a light, drinkable beer, but it's still in the high 9% range. So two of these, and you'll be night-night. Okay. One of this has already got me fairly glib, so... (laughs) So aside from the drunken properties of these beers... The Double Bock is an amber that's very similar to uh, if people like Amber Box or um, Shiner Bock is another one that a lot of people uh, tend to like now. It's a little more on the pricey side, but it's, you can find it in the craft beer section. Okay. The Imperial Stout is Guinness. It's a stout. I mean, it's a very, very dark, uh, not necessarily bitter. Imperials tend to be very strong, very... Malty and heady. Kind of have like a chocolatey aftertaste. A lot of those, yeah, a lot of the beers that are darker like that do tend to have that just because it's dark because of the roasted grains that are in it. Uh, similar with the, uh, Double Bock. The Double Bock will have more roasted grains as well. That's why the Imperial White really intrigues me more than anything else because there's no toasting to it. It's probably a much more hoppy beer, which you don't find in those higher ABVs unless you're drinking like uh, an Imperial Pale Ale, an IPA, or something like that. So, I do have to say, uh, from the from the, at least this Double Bock, this is a recommend. I, I do think people should go out and try this, if nothing else, just for the experience. The only downside is, because it is so high in alcohol, it you can taste it. I mean, it's definitely there. It, it may kind of overshadow some of the other flavors, so the people may not like that. The don't hide the alcohol. Far from it. Okay. Far from it. But... This is a good, like, cold night beer. So if you're 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 sitting at home and it's chilly and you want to just have a, a drink to warm you up, this is definitely the way to go. So drink it soon because with global warming, we won't be having many cold nights that we'll yeah. be able to have. This to is the best way, uh, as Jamie Oliver once said, the way to describe foods and drinks. This is an autumnal winter beer because it's that dark, rich, and high alcohol. Keep you warm at night. Keeps us warm at night. Mm. But drink it cold, because if this gets too warm, it's going to be really nasty. (laughs) And that's just the American beer taste talking, I think. Many cultures around the world that prefer their beers at room temperature. Yeah, just because those dumb fuckers don't know how to actually do refrigeration isn't my fault. All right. Would I blame you, or not blame you, for teaching them refrigeration? Yeah. Is that a skill... That I expect you to be going and Whatever. preaching to people around the world. What I do expect you to preach about is comics. And we can preach about comics. And to start off with, um, one that you and I both read, and I we haven't really had a chance to talk about it too much, okay. is Nowhere Men. Nowhere Men was one that you picked up uh, a couple months back. 
You right. passed it off to me and said, tell me what you think. Um, to answer your question. Uh, I thought it was the first two issues. Yes. Okay. These are based so. on the first two. It's very interesting. It, I swear in that first scene, it's the straight up like scientists walking across Abbey Road. I mean, that's right. the flat out image you get from this comic. Well, they very much present the, those characters as the Beatles. Really, I think in the first few, on the first page, you actually mentioned something like that about the Beatles of science. Yeah. And yeah. They, but they said something else about like the Beatles had, uh, the Beatles had management or had talent or something like that. <laughs> the Beatles had Pete Best. <laughs> had. <laughs> yeah. And they got Ringo. Go figure. But, uh, I don't know who who got the. Oh, yeah, Ringo got the better got the better bit of that deal. He, is he the only living Beetle left? No, Paul. Paul is still around. Paul okay. Is, yeah, divorcing his one legged wife. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so anyway, Jerk. back to the, the Beatles of science in this comic. Nowhere men. And it, it opens up and it you know the first couple of pages when I was flipping through it, which is one of the reasons I decided to pick it up. It kind of reminded me of. Uh, well, the brain tr- or think tank. Oh, okay, they're, yeah. They're, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. Very science based. This is a real world dealing with, you know, a, you know, people that are that have, you know, slightly higher than, you know, average, you know, up at the elite end of the scale. Well, they're supposed to be geniuses. Scientists. I mean, these guys are supposed to be right. like the best of the best, just way out yeah. there, but huge still thinkers. Very much grounded into the world, and that's and just looking through the first couple of pages, that that was yeah. the feel I got from this book, and by the end of the book. I will say that feel had changed. Right. But it doesn't drown out that sense of feeling that you get, particularly through the first part, because it's not done as a typical comic. It's not just your straight nine panels action. Well, there's the, there's the whole back and forth time issue of it. You have that first page and then it jumps way forward into everything has fallen apart and they're doing this back and forth of like what, what happened? How did they get there? Well, part of the way that they show the retrospective, which is that complete opposite of comic books, is actually showing you like a magazine article. Yeah. Where they, they actually do a profile in a, like you would see in Popular Mechanics, mm-hmm. Popular Science, Discover Magazine. Right. Where they, they lay out, here are, the, here are the four scientists. This is the description of who they are as people. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to, it lets you know as you read the comic books, so you can identify who they are based on their personalities, their dress. Mm-hmm. And you know, even though they've changed over the years and they do look different as they're presented in the majority of the comics, which is done traditionally. Yeah. But you do have these magazine articles. At the beginning yeah. The other things the that end of the book, the add-ons, and, which you normally see that in other titles and they tend to be kind of fluff stuff. Like you don't really need to be there. Idolized had that where they went through the, the, uh, Almost like the teen teen bop magazine here, here's pages. Here's background information that we can't give to you in a four issue miniseries, five issue right. miniseries. But, but in Nowhere Man, it's almost critical. I mean, you you can go by without reading it, but with reading it, it gives you just so much. It's not just this little bit of extra background fluff. I mean, it's critical. There's really important stuff in there. It really fills out that universe completely. Well, the other thing too is you mentioned like it starts off with this science based on reality, but by the end of the book, and definitely. Through the second book, it gets into this like surrealistic science where it starts going off way into the science fiction realm. But it it also goes into a more traditional comic book realm of a science experiment gone wrong. Yeah. Which is more than comic book. That's just a sci fi period. Standard sci fi. But the Flash got his, that's how the Flash got his power. His chemicals were spilled on him. Uh, You start to experience an element of that. What was I? 
Oh, no. Was it Ultimate Spider-Man that we were watching, or was it a comic where somebody was giving Peter Parker crap about being bitten by a radioactive spider? What? That would just kill you. That shouldn't give you powers. That probably was the Ultimate Spider-Man. Was it Ultimate Spider-Man? Yeah. It was, that what it was? Okay. I thought yeah. so. Yeah. The, the Which, actually, if you haven't seen it, the Ultimate Spider-Man TV show. Watch it. Oh, God, it's so funny. They're about, the season two is about to start. It's available. Season one's available on Netflix. Yeah. And... Yeah, you know, even for adults, it's absolutely hilarious. Well, I turned it on because I was working. I was you. You had come over. I was going to work out for a little bit, and I decided, oh, okay, well, let me, I've finished Avengers. Let me put on Ultimate Spider-Man because it's recommending it, and watch that while I'm working out. We ended up leaving it on all night long. I think we went through what, like five, six episodes. Yeah, it was freaking hilarious. And it's, I think even you mentioned it, it's that complete non sequitur humor. Where it's just like random thoughts out of nowhere. I, I still think the joke that we both that we both love the most is the jetpack. Jet oh yeah, let's imagine me with a jetpack again. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> the shot of Spider-Man flying through the city wearing a jetpack. Uh, okay, well, uh, let's jump off of nowhere, man, because okay. I wanted to ask you about no somewhere. Well, yeah, somewhere, man, would be kind of good. Punk rock Jesus, which. You were afraid it was going to have a heavy Christian overtone to it, but do you think it actually had that or no? No, it didn't. And uh, if they'd actually marketed this better, you know, I, I think part of the reason I saw that was the marketing material they gave, which I discussed this on a previous podcast, where they put in three or four pages which described the cloning and birth of Chris, mm -hmm. but they never <laughs> went and... Yeah, they never showed more of the story. If they just started this with the bodyguard story, which is the actual beginning of this of the mm -hmm. first book, which first you can almost say he's as much a main character as Chris is. He's the through line for the story. Yeah, even though the story is about Chris, but he's the through line that you follow of basically the, the person that you follow to be told Chris's tale. Mm -hmm. And you know, it starts off with you know how he was Ooh. brought into the IRA. If they, if he's they a Sam White Gamgee. Yes. Yes, he is Samwise Gamgee to the uh, Frodo. <laughs> so if they had, if they had started this with his story, it, with his parents being killed and him being brought into the IRA, mm -hmm. like the actual comic is, I would have picked this up. Instead, they didn't use that as the marketing, and they made this something that I actually feared because that it may have those over yeah. over dominant religious tones. They, it didn't. It mm -hmm. had those some tones of that. But it had political tones. Well, it was interesting because, like, every time they tried to put something religious into it, it was immediately followed by the uh, there's uh, cynicism in it. There's, there's yeah, political. Well, the the explanation, like right. his mother with the angel, she said she jumped out of a window and an angel saved her, but she was in a psychiatric hospital and on medications at the time, so it could have been a hallucination. Right. Or uh, he does this like uh, like a hover thing. When he's on stage, where he's glowing and looks like he's levitating, it's all just stage tricks, you know. So yeah. it's cool to see how they they throw it out there and then pull it right back at the same time. They, they do do that. There's a lot of the political, you know, the main characters, are, the 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 through line character mm -hmm. is a member of the IRA or at least at one point was. Yeah, and you know, you've got the you know, Christian group that pro that's protesting. Right. And then, Which wants, I forget the name and of the then group is backing mentioned. them and then against them. And then backing them, yeah, or, or yeah. backing individuals, but or, against but, the group. Yeah, the, the yeah. political and religious ideologies, uh, you know, representing some of the IRA. There's the, 
you know, punk rock cynicism that they bring through, particularly mm-hmm. once Chris rebels. Yeah. And so... Well, the less the rebellion, more the question authority, or question, question everything. Question everything, question authority, and, you know, the forming of the punk rock band, the, the mm-hmm. discovery of punk rock, which... Yeah. Which I heard, actually, I think, is... If you flip through one of the Earth 2s, I think Green Lantern, like, crashes to Earth somewhere, and the band is in the background. In one of the other books, yeah. I have to, I have to look for that. I forget which one. I'll have to look it up. I, I saw it on Reddit. Well, let's fast forward to okay. issue six, specifically to the end. Do you right. feel it ended strong? Oh, absolutely it did. It ended the way that this book really should have. And it continues that questioning of authority, that questioning of what's presented. Yeah. One of the things that it does really well is it shows you uh, Chris. And it's presented... Uh, specifically said by one of his members of the punk rock band, so it gets mm-hmm. that cynicism that's inherent with punk rock of talking about how Chris's life mirrors many of the uh, the high points that we point out in the life of Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. and how you know, he very much was a Christ figure, and the but cynicism wasn't of punk rock necessarily right, shows that you know, it can be you can show all, you can have all of those in many many lines. Same things that you know, magicians show for you know, for people that claim to be psychics or you know, claim to be you know, be able to tell the future. Or talk yeah, to the the debunkers, guys like uh, yeah. Amazing Randy. Amazing, yeah. And they uh, so it, it it brings up you know that you can shoehorn somebody into those scenarios. I mean, Python did it with the life of Brian, mm-hmm. and so. It, it did that. It had strong character. You, know, you see a whole arc with Chris's life, mm-hmm. and you see his whole life and how he changes throughout it from being led by the hand and you know, very much the good Christian soldier right. to the rebellious punk rocker, and then a more idealized and 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 thinking about what he's doing um, right at the very end. Uh, you've got the through line that we have with the bodyguard, mm-hmm. who while his world does get rocked and damaged. He, he is, it, well, he had a, a, a constant goal throughout the entire thing. Like, he yeah. had thought Chris was going to be something special to him, like his redemption. Yeah. And that was his right. And then at the very end, that redemption comes into question. And it's this whole, have I been doing the right thing? Which, in light of everything that Chris has been doing, and him trying to teach Chris, yes, there are good things, there are bad things, there are ideologies to follow, but there are times to back off. And, but, but he also had gone through his life believing in one form of, of living with the IRA. Mm-hmm. And, that and finding out it was all a lie. And yeah. now then following Chris, thinking this is going to be his, his religious redemption. And at the end, in a way, it's a lie. Yeah. But he still in a way is quasi-redeemed as well. And so you, You've also got that element of the hero's journey with the, the mentor, the old the, the old yeah, the yeah, yeah. one in Star Wars, and that it, that's the scientist in here. And actually, if you look at some of the earlier issues, you see she's got a dead Kennedy's t-shirt on. Yeah. And it, it's not until a couple issues later that you re, that she, you realize she's the one that introduces him to punk rock, and she's got all the vinyl records yeah. and tapes. Uh, and then lastly, the other interesting point that I think is very important is the company that paid to do all this. Which was J2. J2. And you know, they, they were the ones that paid to clone and were trying to raise and, and were putting on the TV show about him. Yeah, they're trying to capitalize on it. Well, they, they cap- not only do they capitalize on it throughout the thing, even though it tears them down, mm-hmm. at the end they're looking to do the exact same thing. Yeah, 
but and, in different religions. Yeah, yeah they're, they're looking. Okay, well, maybe we'll do we'll clone Muhammad because there's more Muslims than there are Christians in the right. world. So that's a bigger audience. We can make more money. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's a lot of cynicism of, of, of religion, of politics. And, and well, and of yeah, I was gonna say of capitalism, which yeah. has always been a a target in punk music. Yeah. So uh, now that the final issue's out, if you can't get them as single issues from your store, mm-hmm. wait a month or two because I'm sure it'll be out in trade. And oh yeah, it's absolutely worth picking up. Cool. Absolutely. Okay. So since uh, that, since you wanted to know my opinion on that, mm-hmm. I want to know what you thought about New Avengers. Marvel's got their new Marvel Now initiative. They're kind of, not necessarily doing relaunches, but they're Adding jumping on points. Yeah, it, and I suppose you could say it's like a flood of point ones because that's Marvel's whole thing of marking like when to jump into a book. Um, New Avengers, the idea of it is this is the Avengers of the Illuminati, the group that sent Bruce Banner off to another planet where he could turn into a... a well, that's almost ancient comics history now. The World War Hulk? No, I mean, what, it, 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 two it, years, it, three it, years it, maybe? It, 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 yeah, comic five. ancient history. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, so the Illuminati was formed, and it was you know Black Panther, Reed Richards, Professor Xavier, Tony Stark, all the big brains in the Marvel universe. And Black Panther, I think, was or at least what they presented the New Avengers. He was the only dissenter of even creating the group in the first place. Okay. But they still ended up creating the group anyways, and they made their bad decisions, and now they have to live with them. And what New Avengers does is it follows Black Panther now that all the the S's hit the F and something is happening in Wakanda. There's a an, ad, an adversary that is beyond his ability. That's so, beyond so that anybody's his ability. Is being threatened, what, what's he looking to do? It, it's looking like he's willing to, or that he wants to put the the Illuminati group together, not just as a think tank group, but as an actual actionable force. So he actually wants the, the Illuminati group to go out as a ventures group and basically kind of put their money where their mouth is. That if they're thinking we know the best way to do things, okay, then go do it. Okay. Um, this issue, it, it focused almost completely on Black Panther. There wasn't really anything else going on other than this little scene of uh, what's happening. Yeah. That, that, that kind of starting seed. Um, it's difficult to recommend this as a jumping on point because it is so focused in that one little tiny thing. I think it leads to a lot of potential and I think the book could become very, very good, but at only the first issue, I'm going to reserve my judgment a little bit before I really commit to it and say, it's going to be an excellent book. Now, if I haven't been reading the Avengers, I haven't been reading X-Men, I, I'm not familiar with the Illuminati doing, is that a history or background that I'm going to need? Or am I going to be able to it go would, in here? Look it at would it definitely help. Okay. You can come in without it because it explains it in the broadest terms off the get-go, but without knowing it ahead of time, you're definitely not going to get the same impact from it that you would otherwise. Okay. Which is one of the things that I'm trying to figure out how successful Marvel has been with their you know, Marvel Now initiative. With Iron Man... I felt that you needed to have a much more familiarity with the uh, the character, the background. Well, well it, it did the whole was, extremist was, line, which if you don't know extremists, extremists, yeah, um, which they explained it out. I mean, throughout the progress of the story, I mean, what it is, how it works, why it's dangerous. But it, it, 
for me, I felt it wasn't as strong a MacGuffin as it was if you knew what Extremis was. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds to me like if you didn't don't know who the Illuminati are... The New Avengers is going to have that same punch. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. And, yeah, so it makes me wonder... Yeah. Well, you can say the same thing with uh, Invincible Hulk. I mean, unless you understand Hulk lore and his background, but, to understand why what he's doing is so radical and so different to make it such a compelling title. I, but I think people understand enough about Hulk of Hulk is a giant monstrous force that smashes. That's and mindless and, and unstoppable. And, you know, yeah, and if you understand that, that there's been that mindless, unstoppable force, mm-hmm. the little bit that you may not understand is that Bruce has been staying away from society yeah. to prevent him from being anywhere where when he becomes Hulk. He can do major damage. And for him to completely it, flip that, that and that go little, to complete integration and... Yeah, I, I think the, the the bulk of that is what the Hulk does. So when you throw him into trying to focus that destructive energy, mm-hmm. I think you can... It makes it a strong starting point. And I think that's a well yeah. done, that's well enough done mm-hmm. that a general person that's only seen the Lou Ferrigno TV show can <laughs> understand and, and pick up exactly where that book is. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. Well, what is what are some of the other now books that are out right now? I know Avengers relaunched. Uh, Thor, God of Thunder, I think, was another one of them, which I've thought about going back to pick up again, but it, just to catch up with it, no, the, I don't know. The reason I haven't picked up Thor because I want to read a Thor book, hmm. and the reason I haven't is because it's Jason Aaron, and I did not appreciate his run on Hulk. So, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, and oh, never mind, bump and, that. And, and there was one instance in, in one of his books and while 90% of that book was right there was one instance in one of in the, one, one of the issues he wrote for X-Men versus Avengers that just threw the book on its side and oh it, it's the one okay. where Colossus is talking about giving whales feet and then going oh I forgot they can't oh, feed on land oh yeah it, they, they, they turned Colossus into a reread I, I understand it's supposed to be comedy and there are some people that that comedy is going to be good for yeah Jason Aaron should never do comedy well, He's not funny. Then it, he sucks. See, and I, I know there are some people out there that really enjoy his comedy. Really? Yeah. Who? So, <laughs> I'll discuss it later. But no, 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 really. No. Who? <laughs> Pete? No. Uh, okay. Uh, but for me, it's not my humor. So, yeah, I don't like that. I'm not going to listen to it. Just like, you know, I don't like classical music very much. So I listen to heavy metal because yeah. that's more of my flavor. Uh, heavy metal is still classical. There's some classic heavy metal. There are elements of, of it. They're, they're, hey, they're on the oldie rock station, so. Yeah. D- different type of classical than Bach, uh, Beethoven. And there are people that are sitting there going, well, you've got, you know, Brahms who does this type of music and you've got Beethoven who does another. Yeah. And th- they can tell you the differences between Beethoven, Bach, Mozart and and the differences in their pieces and the actual different styles. And all of us would just cross our eyes and not exactly. care. Yeah. Okay. But, Anyways. All right. So we can get back to talking about uh, they, well, they, They've got a new double uh, X, which I think is may just be the promo for their all female you know, led X Men book. Hmm, they've okay. got a uh, uh, Misty May and uh, somebody else. Oh, the Defenders. The, the, the female it's, uh, Defenders. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I'm thinking. Yeah, the Defenders, where it's uh, Valkyrie and um, not Misty May. It's Valkyrie and. Uh, Foxy from Heroes for Hire. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so that one I'm looking forward to. That one looks interesting. That, that's an all-female book. They've got a Young Avengers, which I'm going to look at getting, which eh. looks like it's a takeoff of the Young Avengers miniseries, and, that they've, and the characters have been mixed in throughout. 
some of the other Marvel stuff that's been going on. Meh. Uh, they've got the Savage Wolverine coming out. They've got a just plain Wolverine that's coming out. Soon, I, you know, I would like had. to say I would love to find a Wolverine book to come out that really I look at and I go, I really want to read that. But I can't help but look at Wolverine and see nothing but marketing horror because they just. That's what I'm hoping for. Same with Wolverine. This is straight up Wolverine title that's going to be coming out. Which well, Savage Wolverine one? It's going to be setting him. In Japan, right? In Tokyo, I think um, is the idea. I think so, and I'm not getting the Savage Wolverine. They're, they're, okay, they're, they're going to be they're going to be having two Wolverine monthly titles. Yeah, Savage Wolverine is one, Wolverine is the other, and Wolverine's the one that I'm looking forward to more. Uh, but we'll, well have to see how, where that goes. Other than the Now Initiative, Marvel's other kind of big thing that happened in this past month is the Spider-Man changeover. Yes. Spider-Man which, went up to which I think seven hundred. Spider-Man is part of the Now Initiative. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll check in a second, but. Well, well Superior, yeah. Superior started, Spider-Man was number one. He came out this past yeah. week, which is the follow-up to Spectacular. Or Ma- Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man number 700, which right. 700 ended Amazing and Superior is now taking over right. where Amazing left and off. And Avenging Spider-Man is also picking up at the, with the, at the same point. See, I was curious about that. See, I thought Avenging Spider-Man was going to keep on with Parker being Spider-Man. No. Okay. Yeah, by the way, uh, this doesn't really count because there's been so much crap on the web about this already that if you haven't heard this, screw you. Uh, Doc Ock is now Spider-Man because of some mind switch thing, which I have to say, that was totally fucking weak. I didn't, I, I didn't particularly care for that, okay. but. That, and that, but. That, that happened in Amazing Spider-Man leading up to 700. Yeah. Like I saw that and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Reading into spect- uh, excuse me, Superior Spider-Man now, I see where they're going to go with this. And I, I do find it interesting. I think it's going to be neat. I think it has no legs. I think this is going to be short. I think it's going to be a fun little ride, but it can't last. For the same reason that when we went to Megacon a few, uh, probably four or five years ago or so, we went to a Saturday, uh, no, excuse me, a Sunday Comics with Dan DiDio. No, Around the same Saturday, time that but, was it Saturday? No, I thought it was a it, it, oh yeah, it was you, a Saturday because it was a DC panel. It wasn't Sunday comics. Yeah, I thought it was the Sunday comics where Didio just did his walk around talk about comics. Yes, yeah, but, but he, he does a lot of that at the regular panels, anyway. So this, was, this yeah. was a DC Nation panel, and one of the things you talked about, which is the point that I think you're going to make, is that people know Bruce Wayne is Batman. This was during okay, our right after Superman. Battle for the Cowl when change yeah who, who these secret identities are. They're too ingrained in pop culture. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Which is why I don't think Doc Ock can stay as Spider-Man for very long. Now, that being said, it's already worked in Ultimate. Miles Morales has taken over for Peter in the Ultimates universe and has been doing very well. So there is the precedent that somebody else can be Spider-Man and it's okay. But because it's Ultimate Spider-Man, I feel it almost falls kind of along the same lines as like Spider-Man 2099. Or Scarlet Spider, or Venom, or... You mentioned Spider-Man 2099. Dan Slut has already said Spider-Man 2099, or at least Miguel O'Hara, the secret mm-hmm. identity of Spider-Man 2099, will be appearing in the in the Superior Spider-Man. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so... Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. <laughs> little something. Well, but anyways, so it's... You have these separate identities, and they can succeed as those separate identities, and that's why they can kind of get away with it. And that's why Ultimate Spider-Man can get away with it. It's, it can't happen in the main 
Spider-Man universe. universe. Peter you, Parker you will it. be back. You can do it he for has a little to be. while. Yeah. There, there, there are brief periods, and they've said that this is going to last for at least a year. Now, how successful it will be, that depends. If this shows that it's not being successful, they'll end it sooner. If yeah. it's being very successful, I don't It'll know go longer. Be, I don't know that they'll be able to keep it going much longer. Right. But they might be able to add it. Well, they might be able to do a spin-off or something, you know, spin I, it into its own title. I, I the same thing that they've done with Kane and Scarlet Spider. Wait, where I think this is going, based on, because reading this book, I was going, that's exactly what I was expecting. I was just hoping it wouldn't be so soon. I was hoping so that, that what they show you at the end of the panel wasn't going to show up as soon as it did. Yeah. At, at the end of that book. I think the best thing to come out of this, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, okay. was the Gutters comic from today. That was the best thing to come out of this so far. For those of you who don't read the Gutters, the comic from today was uh, Doc Ock at a clay spinning wheel forming a pot with Peter Parker as Spider-Man behind him doing the whole scene Ghost. from Ghost. Patrick Swayze from well, Ghost. Well, Doc Ock is singing The Righteous Brothers and Peter saying, okay, now you're just making this creepy. So... Absolutely hilarious. Go it, the the hyphen gutters dot com, which you should be reading anyways. If you read enough comics and you listen to us for crying out loud, go read the gutters. Okay. Anyways, so let's go ahead and uh, talk. Um, you know, we were talking. Uh, one of the big things going on with DC right now is Throne of Atlantis. And okay, yeah, crossover. that's their new, the next big oh, thing they're doing. Leading, it's it's a, it's a, well, leading, it's a two title crossover between. Mm -hmm. Justice League, which is the flagship title, and Aquaman, which is their, is their punching big, bag character. Well, it, Aquaman is the big push character. Green Lantern had the big push in the past few years, right, and they kept asking people, who do you want to see redone next? Who do you want to see redone next? And everybody was saying Aquaman. They wanted to see Jeff Johns be able to change Aquaman into a relevant character. And up till now, honestly, I think Johns has done a very good job in doing that. Just a little bit. They wanted to see Aquaman made into a relevant character. Most felt that Jeff Johns was the person that could do it. <laughs> he was the only person that could do it. The guy talks to fish for fuck's sake. <laughs> How do you make that cool? Johns found a way. Yeah. By, but, well, but by basically by minimizing. As being the punching bag of the DC. It, well, yeah. It, it was, it, it had to be self, self-deprecating. Self yeah. They had to kind of minimize the whole I can talk to fish thing. And they had to show why Aquaman was a badass in the first place. And they did that in the first issue. Now we're two arcs in. He's starting now the Throne of Atlantis series, which uh, Aquaman's brother basically had – there's been a strike against Atlantis. For some reason, we don't know how. We don't know why. It may have even been instigated by Atlantis itself as an excuse for them to attack the surface world. So because of that now, there's this whole kind of back and forth thing where the Justice League hasn't been very well cohesioned right now. Uh, Green Lantern has disappeared. They don't know where the hell he went. A new Green Lantern has shown up that they don't trust. Uh, Batman and Aquaman are constantly at odds about who it is that should be leading the league. And now this new thing pops up right after they've had this sort of internal issue of, Nobody should be keeping secrets from each other, even though at that same time, uh, Superman and Wonder Woman are off having a, a secret tryst. Which nobody which, else in the Justice League knows about. Except for Batman, because he's Batman. Right. Um, and now there's this thing coming up with Arthur, and basically he sees it as a family issue, but the Justice League is being 
forced into getting involved because they're attacking major cities, every major city. And Arthur is trying to tell the Justice League, don't get involved in this one. Stay out of this one. This is something I have to handle on my own. And the Justice League kind of jumps in and says, kind of jumps in and says, no, we have to do this together. And at the end of this last issue, Arthur turns on him and basically goes after League and says, okay, you forced my hand. I have to do this now. Right, that's interesting because I'm only reading Justice League, so I'm only getting half the story. So I didn't get Arthur turning on them. Yeah. And so you're reading both. Mm-hmm. How do you think it is very necessary to be reading both titles or – I would is normally, of, or, is, or is it like kind of half of a rehash and here's a big reveal and then you'll wind up not I would that. normally say no because DC's pretty good about keeping their stories segregated. Right. But in this case, yeah, I really think you need to be reading both to, to get the full picture. Okay. So, that's, that's my call. All right. So I, I may, I may have to borrow your, uh, oh, by all means. Aquaman. By all means. Just to get caught up. I'm, I'm going to see how the next Justice League goes and, and I'll let you know if I want to borrow those. Okay. But, uh, well, if you're going to be borrowing that from me, then let me ask you about uh, Detective. Because I I want to read the whole Death in the Family stuff, but like I'm not reading Batgirl because I'm not really interested in the Batgirl character. Same with Batman and Robin. But it looked like Detective may have been one I should have been grabbing to get more of the background story of like what Joker's been doing to just completely screw Bruce. What's been happening overall in Detective during the Death of the Family series? Uh, the biggest relation that it has is Batman is fighting a bunch of Joker-inspired gangs. Okay. And so... Which that's... A, Joker's M.O. He's always had his like little thugs and henchmen. Well, th- these aren't necessarily thugs and henchmen. This is actually more akin to the Batman Beyond Joker's gangs that they have roaming around. Because huh, okay. Th- they're dressing up in various clown attire, mm-hmm. uh, di- different gangs are going in different directions. As you know, some some of them have more specific dress codes to identify them as a gang. Um, and there's one. Specific so it's like gang the warriors, but all Joker themed. Yes, and, that's kind of interesting, actually. Uh, so he's been going around. So there's like sh- there's like mo- clown mo- baseball mo- players, and then there's clown roller skaters, and then there's like quite, clown bikers. That, not and- quite that. Uh, That'd be exotic, awesome. But oh, God, they, that would very, be so awesome. Very much in that vein. And there's one group that Batman views as, as actually being very dangerous. The others, a lot of it are just hoodlums. And there's even one group that he literally just shows up and goes, I'm Batman, I can take all of you down in 15 seconds. <laughs> Go home now well, and I won't tell your parents. Who's I, the one group that he actually is concerned about and yeah, why? I, I can't remember the, the name. Uh, Funny Bones is one of the names of, of the gangs. <laughs> that's not their... Uh, that's... That's not one of the bigger gangs. I don't remember. Well, but what, what makes him dangerous? Like, why is he thinking? Okay, uh, I got to pay attention to these guys. The uh, because for some reason th- these people actually have psychosis. One of them was a dentist, and they show his tools where he's got a dentist drill with an actual drill bit in it. Uh, one of them Ooh. was a baker, and yeah. So you see, you first see her. She's at her bakery shop, mm-hmm. and she's holding up, you know, a, a butcher's knife, having just slaughtered somebody and is offering cupcakes to, to the next customer. Yeesh. And, uh, Who's writing this? Uh, is that is it Lobdell? The uh, suit detective no. right now? Uh, you're you're going to make me actually have to uh, look up detective. Uh, uh, look it up later. 
Yeah, enough to do it right now. But, I'm uh, just curious. The, the other back through line is that they have yeah, Penguin has gone off to Arkham mm-hmm. in theory to help the Joker, which I'm not sure what why he's actually gone there, and they, I, I haven't seen him appear yet know, in any of the other Death of the Family. I wonder if he'll arcs. show up maybe in Batman in one of the backstories. Because, like, Joker got Riddler out it, from, uh, yeah, I think it was from Arkham, or it's from uh, Blackgate, I think it's the other big prison. Yeah. Where, and he go and uh, how does he, he turns Riddler into, like, his, like, Batman's weaponsmith or something like that. Like, he's the one that always keeps Batman's weapon sharp. Because Joker's doing this whole... Like equating the criminals that Batman fights into members of Batman's court and making Batman the king of Gotham. And of course, Joker being obviously the jester. I'm curious where he would put Penguin in that structure. Uh, I'm not sure. Probably the merchant. He'd be the the moneylender or something. Yeah, uh, he's definitely got his uh, position. But it feels more like the writer just kind of said, well, we're going to throw the Joker over here. Because I want to introduce this new character that's much more, that's not your traditional Oswald Cobblepot that mm-hmm. I want to have. Like if I was to redo the new, 50, uh, new 52 Penguin, well, and we're going to call this guy the Emperor Penguin, who's taking over the Penguin's empire since the Penguin has gone off to be with Joker. Well, Penguin actually showed up in Detective early in the series, didn't he? With the whole yeah, he, thing yeah, that he, happened he, at, the, uh, at the iceberg? Right. And, and they even talk about the group of people that were uh, protesting with the Joker having his face cut off, uh, they, they bring that part back up with this and mm-hmm. yeah, that those are the people that are forming the, the gangs that Batman's out patrolling after. Oh! Um, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So, oh, That's kind of cool. I, uh, I wouldn't even thought about that tie-in. Yeah, it looks like... Uh, so, uh, the, the, it is kind of neat that, they're, that they are doing the pullback and mm-hmm. showing that you know, that relation uh, of it, uh, but overall, I think it. I've been feeling it's kind of weak. Uh, John Layman is the writer for the book. Layman. Okay, okay, okay. And I wait. Okay, I okay, Layman. I was thinking. Le- I was thinking Lemire for some reason. I'm like, oh god, no, not not him. No. Okay, no. Yeah, Layman's done some things that I've I've been kind of fifty fifty on. Like he's done some stuff that was pretty good, and then other stuff that just fell way off the wagon. It feels like he's fighting to write his own book and take advantage of some of the stuff that's going on with Death of the Family, like getting rid of the Penguin to bring in his Emperor Penguin character. Oh, that's kind of lame. Or he wanted to do something with Penguin, and they told him, no, we need Penguin for this, so he created Emperor Penguin to do it. To do then, it anyways, but not screw with the original of, character. Yeah. And basically, and that way he See, doesn't that have the original st- character. That kind of stinks. I, I, it, it See, at first I thought you were saying... Push-pull I, with the book. I wonder if he's having problems with Schneider then, because, well, I don't know, because... I don't know that it's... That it's well, Schneider, Schneider said that, like, everybody on their own book is basically... Everybody's free to do their own thing, and they just sort of, like, kind of cross-collaborate it, as far as, hey, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think this is a good idea? I'm sure there's some of that, but at some point, the editors have to step in and say, this is what's going on, this is what's going down. Yeah. You're part of Death of the Family, so this... So play nice. So you're going to be losing this character because they're going to be using them in this book, yeah. or... And that, that happened when they were creating the 52, and they were trying to figure out, okay, who's going to be a member of this team, who's a member of that team. Yeah. And oh, which I think I saw something about Dr. Fate is supposed to be popping up in yeah. uh, Earth 2, I think, next month. Yeah. 
Well, which that makes me happy. I always like Doctor Fate. I thought he was kind of neat. Because you just you mentioned earlier tonight, and I was going to ask you. Hmm. Uh, you said you're you're feeling a little bit down with Earth too. I really am. I mean, it it had such a big boom of a start, especially with the controversy that that That's it started it. with, and the story was not bad through the first arc, and it ended up in kind of a meh, okay place. And since then, the story just hasn't really been very compelling. There hasn't been a lot to it to make me go, wow, I really need to keep this title. Uh, to get kind of explain a little bit better, every week I kind of like organize my books by anticipation. Like, I, I get some books and I just if think, oh, Scott's, man. If it was written by Scott Snyder, it's on the top of the stack. You damn Skippy. Um, the Dresden one that I just got this week, which is a whole new story that Jim Butcher had just written, was high on my anticipation pile. This Earth one two, hasn't been. It's Yeah, it's been sinking to the bottom. I, I, I will say Earth 2 and uh, World's Finest has also been a little bit lower down. Well, it's been slow. Me. Yeah. I, I think that there's something about to hit, and rather than trying to start and, and complete an arc or not give it the time that it needs, mm-hmm. that they've been holding back a little bit, particularly in World's Finest, waiting for it to join into a larger story arc that it's a part of. It feels I like guess. Just kind of, I there's a couple of stories on of what they've been doing to flesh out some of their back stuff. I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be another story between Damien and Helena Wayne coming up. At some point. Uh, if not in, in World's Finest, then it'll be in Batman and Robin because there, there was a mention of it. That seems more likely. I think, I think World's Finest is going to stick with the whole apocalypse angle because that seems to be what their big focus is. I, I have a feeling World's Finest will end up being the the link title that'll bring Earth 2 into the main universe, probably after Trinity War. That might be their next big thing after it, it, that. It well, maybe. Uh, the, the thing with Earth 2, though, is they're at a point where they're kind of in between story arcs, and they, they've done a one-shot that is kind of a setup for what I think their next arc is going to be. That, th- this most recent issue... Mm-hmm. They introduce, uh, well, they reintroduce one character who you thought was gone from Earth Two, and they reveal. Who's that? Yeah, you've you've read this. I read it, but I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not oh, remembering. Uh, Steppenwolf. Oh, so okay, was, yeah, yeah, okay. Defeated by Batman, Superman, one of the killings, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman of Earth Two. Right. And it's believed that he's either back on Apocalypse or dead. He's reintroduced. Right. As being on Earth too, right? And, and his crony. The big reveal is that he has an adopted daughter who was the last Amazon, right? Earth too, after you thought Wonder Woman was the last Amazon and she died, right? So is that setting her up to be a Donna Troy? Is the idea? Because they said this is actually it's, Wonder Woman's daughter, which would actually be closer to like Cassie or something, wouldn't no, it? No, it wouldn't be Cassie, but I think they. they don't forget, they're completely remixing things, so they very well could just call her Donna Troy. Yeah, for all we know. And make her, you know, and make her the Earth 2 Wonder Woman. Right. The new Earth 2 Wonder Woman. Uh, they're, they're calling her Fury. She's, yeah, got, got a whip instead of a lasso. Mm-hmm. They're definitely got her set up as a villain. Whether she'll stay there or not, I don't know. And, and they've set up in the previous issue to start to bring in some new characters. Um, another interesting part was, uh, Steppenwolf's been hiding um, in some under, country that I had no idea what it was. I never that, heard of it. That's that's DC Minutia because okay. Markov is the uh, 
is the ruler there. Yeah. And in old DC continuity, uh, he was a, uh, most recently he was a member of the Outsiders with Batman and the Outsiders. Huh. And, okay. Uh, has terraforming abilities, uh, similar to oh, the character. All right. And I believe, I believe in the old continuity, he was brother of Terra from the Teen Titans. Yeah, which Terra they brought back, I think, in Ravagers, yeah. which they're supposed to have a cross. The Culling, I think, is ending, so, or there's a new crossover they're doing with uh, Teen Titans, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, I, like I know that. they've been advertising the, the trade of the crossover. Oh, is that what it was? I, I, know they've been I thought it was a new thing. thing. Okay. Not, nah, probably not nothing new. No. Uh, yeah, if you want new, uh, Marvel now's got a lot of new stuff. Yeah, DC isn't really doing much new. Well, I mean, so they're, they're continuing they're the continue, reboot, but. Yeah, but they have, right now that they're holding steady with the titles they have, I'm still holding out hope that at least with the next issue, you'll see something big develop on Earth 2. Or at least uh, the beginning of a new arc. Yeah. Uh, an actual I, beginning as opposed to a one shot that kind of establishes a couple of characters, which mm-hmm. is what this was. Yeah, I haven't dropped it yet, but it's, it's on the plank. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, other than comic, a couple other things we were going to talk about this week. Uh, a couple nights ago, we got to finally play Cards Against Humanity, which yeah, was a, a gift that you got me for. Just kind of looking at cards. Yeah. Which Cards Against Humanity, as a quick description, is if you've ever played Apples to Apples, you, you, you it's have a, similar to that, you have but... Two decks of cards. A deck of white cards and a deck of black, black cards. cards. White cards are just short little clips and phrases of things, well, and the black cards are fill-in-the-blank phrases. So you could have a phrase of... When I get my first million dollars, I am going to build a 50-foot statue commemorating blank. And And the answers to that are depraved. Excellently, humorously depraved. To to understand a little bit more about how that game is actually played, you have one person, everybody's given a stack of white cards. uh, The general starting number is 10. Mm -hmm. And then one person reads off the black card, Everybody then chooses which one of the cards in their hand, the white card, they feel best completes the blank in the uh, on the black card. Or will make the person reading the card laugh the hardest. Well, that that's how I define best. Yeah. Or I meant the most depraved. Or, yeah, most depraved, funniest. Just better, best fits their, on the their yeah. sense of humor. Yeah. The goal is to make the person that read the black card pick yours as the best answer. Yeah. Whether that, that's the funniest to them, the most disturbing to them, yeah, it has to be the best to them. And yeah. They, and they're the judge of it. In whichever way, shape, or form. Uh, after they, ch- they will then read all of the options aloud mm-hmm. and announce their winner. Uh, they, they then, the black card is then moved to the next person. Well, it's given to whoever the was the, who, the, who the answer was. Is awarded the black card yeah. as a point. And Somebody else becomes cards are. Each person. Right being the person that reads and chooses the winner of the black card. Right. So, uh, absolutely the... hilarious game. Uh, this is going to happen at some point. And uh, cer- certainly worth playing if you uh, have the opportunity, if you know somebody that has it. Get oh, it. yeah. It's actually Creative Commons. So you can go to the Cards Against Humanity site. They will let you download the PDF of the full game mm-hmm. and the expansion packs. You can then take it, go to Kinko's. They recommend using... A card stock as yeah. opposed to just... Paper. I think they actually tell you like specifically which one to use. Yeah, they, they give you good... And you just say, print these out for me. Mm-hmm. Have Kinko's print out the cards for you. The blacks and the whites. And you have... And cut them out. You get your own deck. So you there you go. So it won't cost you any more than what you need at a Kinko's. If you get an off, good office copier that can you can print from, you can do that. Uh, 
However, I recommend just going to, it's probably the easiest thing to do. Would be just go, go buy it. Go buy it from Amazon. They got all three, they got the game and both expansion packs. So you can get all three. Well, the holiday expansion you can't get. That's sold out. The holiday, well, the holiday expansion was a limited edition mm-hmm. and it was only, it's special cards that are, were only available, uh, for the holiday season. So can't get that, but there are two regular expansions. And when I say expansions, you're talking almost the size of the original game. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the original game cool. is about a box about eight inches long full of mm-hmm. cards. So you're talking, I think the expansions are uh, five inches or so long. Well, I mean, which that yeah. doesn't really say much other than, you know, uh, if, if you the, were, the black deck right base, now is probably like a regular 52 if you have a stack to 62. Of cards, five inches tall. Yeah, yeah okay, all right, I suppose. <laughs> that, that, that's, okay. If you have a stack of Marvel Series 1 with the white border, yeah, five inches uh, tall. Yeah, tell, tell me about Amazing Randy Kickstarter. Okay. Uh, we mentioned that they were doing a movie uh, called An Honest Liar, which is right. a biography uh, documentary about the Amazing Randy. Who we mentioned earlier, the Amazing Randy is a very well-known and or, in his time was an excellent well, he, stage magician. Still is his time. Well, still is his time, yeah. But he's a stage magi- magician who is probably most well-known for being a... Skeptic. Skeptic, thank you. I kept wanting to say cynic. I'm like, it's not cynic. Skeptic. Uh, and debunker, basically, of people who claim to have supernatural abilities. Right. He, and he, he, the reason it's called an honest liar is because he tells you, I am going to fool you. This is what I'm going to do. And, and then he does it. it. Yeah. And you will not believe it until I... And even after I've done it, you will believe it is a trick and it's a lie that I actually have magical abilities. Uh yeah. He is a very classical magician. And mm-hmm. as many of them, you know, from you know, Howard Thurston to Houdini, mm-hmm. it, many of them are skeptics and have gone about trying to stop yeah, people that are charlatans that do cold readings, psychics. Right. Well, just all the standard tricks of the trade, which yeah. is why he is a skeptic, is because he knows all the tricks of the trade. Yeah. And so... Yeah, and he, he's been on Letterman. Actually, if you go oh, yeah. to the Kickstarter page, they actually show you some clips of him doing what he does. So um, the Kickstarter is actually for the movie itself. Right. The Kickstarter is to raise the funds so that they can actually get the movie edited. Um, okay. Maybe do a little bit more shooting. They, they have interviews right. with you know, everybody from Penn & Teller, mm-hmm. Adam Savage, uh, right. Right. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, people that are well-known in the skeptics' circles, well, as well as probably some people that are... On the other side, too, as far as uh, the the more, I don't want to say extremists, but... But I, I don't know if they were able to get interviews with people that he'd been in, in conflict over, you know, as, as skeptics. Maybe, as I don't skeptics. know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think Yuri, uh, Yuri Geller is going to be on there called a hunch. Uh, probably not. But uh, there, there might be some footage of that, of Yuri, just to show what's going on, or if there was a conflict. I don't know if there was a big conflict between Randy and Yuri. Uh, well, because Yuri was the one that said he could like bend spoons or whatever, yeah, and, and then he just flat out debunked there, him like right on Letterman. There's actually footage in the uh, video. Footage, yeah, of the two of them. Of uh, Randy bending a fork. So yeah, uh, it, it's a great project if you, you know, are interested in skepticism. If you like magic as a whole, if you, um, just well, it's just see. it's just a flat out good biography, a good documentary movie. And Randy also does. It's I entertaining. Don't, I don't know if it'll be in the movie but it, they do have uh, Randy the James Randy Society uh-huh. uh, Skeptical Society actually hosts the uh, annual Houdini seance. seance at the Magic Castle every year so, uh, which we can uh, talk about that but we'll, we'll skip that for now yeah. um, 
I do have a quick note in here that says uh, you were supposed to tell me to go watch Sherlock, and I was supposed to tell you to bite me. And so I would say, I'd uh, say that that's pretty much taken care of. No, no, I really think you need to go watch Sherlock. And I really think you need to bite me. So The latter won't happen, but I'm pretty sure the <laughs> former will. Yeah, no, I I do mean to go back and watch it. I read the first, or read, I watched the first three episodes. I do want to get back into it. I just, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put it on before I go work out next uh, time. You'll need to pay more attention than that. Yeah, as, crap. Yeah, and once you see Jim Moriarty, you will uh, stop what you're doing and continue to watch the show. Oh, I don't doubt. I, uh, I don't doubt even a little bit. Just absolutely. Uh, by the way, if you are a fan of Elementary, the uh, show. The uh, Lucy Lou one? Yeah. Yeah. Lucy, yeah. You will be completely ruined and hate that show after watching the British. Well, yeah, because this show is good. <laughs> I mean, that, that's uh, kind of the main were, difference there. There were people that, that have said that they enjoyed uh, that it, they enjoyed Elementary and thought it was a good show. And those people have frontal lobotomies. And then they saw Sherlock. Yeah, and, and so now they much. don't like the, yeah. the the level that this operates on is insane. Oh yeah, um, we mentioned Ultimate Spider-Man earlier, so I'm not going to bring that up again. Right. Um, but we, you had actually mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Scott Gimple is taking over as the showrunner on The Walking Dead. He was the executive producer of the first three seasons. You said, yeah, at least ele- at least season three, if not the first three seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so uh, is he responsible for that for the abortion that was the end of the first season and the majority of the second season? To some, to as much of an extent as Kirkman is probably. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, but he'll be taking over. Maybe we'll uh, see a change in direction. Fairly certain there'll be a, there'll be a change in feel. Did, well, if, if you've you, seen the first three seasons in, in their entirety, right? Yes. So, do you, first of all, do you feel that the second season kind of went off track? Do you think they did things that they shouldn't have? Or do you feel it's been strong the entire way through? Okay. Uh, first, I have not read the graphic novels, so okay. I can't compare them. Or and I, and I well, can't just, just off the rails from well, a, I think it should be here, it's okay. over there well, thing. I want to say that because there, there are a lot of people that have that read the books that felt it went off the rails and yeah. that's why uh, having not one of those them, people right here they can't see you raising your hand I don't now they know uh, so I, I want to get, make sure that that's clear out there and I also watched them back to back I didn't have a week long break between episodes mm-hmm. like the people did when they were initially airing I watched them off of Netflix and so what that has done is it allowed me to not have the drawn outness that I think this, and even with that, by the time they finally leave the farm, it does feel like they may have been there an episode or two too long. Yeah. Not, not that it's terrible, not that it's, but it's just bad, drawn out more. But yeah, yeah they, they spend for the most part, the entire season at the farm. Yeah. And which kind of makes sense. If, if you do go by the graphics, cause they spend almost an entire graphic novel. On the farm, so yeah. it kind of matches up in that sense. You're but only talking, you know, twelve episodes, so it's, it's not that ma- yeah, that six long. issues. I mean, yeah, if they'd have done, you know, eight and then move it, it would have been fine. But okay. they set themselves up for season three at the end. I, sorry, I haven't seen season three yet. But okay, they set themselves up for season three at the end of season two. I, there's a big pullback and a reveal that says, "Here's where, Here's where they're going to be next." Yeah, yeah this and is, this you're is right; that is exactly where they're going because I'm. Know what it is. I haven't seen season three, but yeah, by the way you phrased it, I know what it is. So that that's where they're walking. Yeah. Uh, so oh, overall, I, I, it's definitely worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are parts. The part once 
does start to get a bit too slow, they start reintroducing some of the zombies and you get more of what you want, which is the running from zombies. Yeah. That's why a lot of people are watching it weekly and not seeing it. Because when you watch it and you have a week between episodes and you're not seeing zombies for a a month and a half versus versus, watching it in an afternoon where all of a sudden, oh, zombies are back now. Which the zombies are never really the focus of The Walking Dead, even in the books. It's all about the character development, but you do need to have that that feeling of urgency for it to be a good zombie story. Yeah, and, and zombie you, story you, you, minus you, zombies is just a good story, yeah, you, which you did is lose, fine. But yeah, you did lose a bit of that urgency. There was some interesting character development, and again, not knowing the characters and where they are in the book versus where they are in the show. I can't speak to how, how it was different, but you know, the, if you're watching the, uh, the, the show, you can see, yeah, they, they actually start to do something very common in the TV shows, which is they have a theme running throughout the show mm-hmm. and they present a character with one problem, another character with a second problem and both reflect upon the theme that's running throughout yeah, the larger yeah, yeah. arc of the show of that episode. Right. Uh, and you start to see that, and it's a lot more subtle than in a, a lot of other TV shows that are out there. Uh, well, yeah, in other series, it'll be like the title of that episode will be yeah. an exact reflection of that. A, so a, a lot of shows, particularly those that have you know, that little you know, three to five minutes, and then the title oh, lost, sequence. Lost did that all the freaking time. Yeah, you have three to five minutes, and that's the theme that you're going to be watching yeah. for the next 45, 45 minutes mm-hmm. you know, after the credits, the, the opening credit roll. Well, uh, before we run out of time, let's jump over a few more quick things. Uh, Axe Cop is supposed to premiere on Fox in July, which I read a little bit of on Free Comic Book Day. There was an Axe Cop little mini thing that I flipped through. It was actually really friggin' funny. Uh, Axe Cop, yeah. Particularly if you're a fan of a lot of the Adult Swim cartoons. Yeah. The, the, the non-sequitorial, the... Which has gotten really... Big these days, things yeah. like Adventure Time and uh, something Falls right. is the one that's big on that. Yeah, the, the, the things that started with Aqua Teen Hunger Force, I would say even go f- as far well, back as starting with like SpongeBob. Well, that's not that's not. There's some serious non sequitur going well, on in I'm not SpongeBob. That SpongeBob is not. I'm saying it's not an adult. That's not adult swim. Well, yeah, no, not, not adult swim. But I'm saying just to, to some extent, in animation you can, in general, you can even pull that back to Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh God, which, yeah. Which is also where Aqua Teen Hunger Force made their first appearance. Right. But uh, which was Axe that? Cop, um, for for those that don't know, though, Axe okay. Cop is written by uh, by two brothers, an eight year old and his twenty something year old brother, or something like that. Yeah, the the brother is the artist, and he's uh, the older brother is the artist. I should say. <laughs> yeah, the brother, the brother is the Define creative that. team. Uh, right. The older brother is the artist, and he went home to visit his, his parents and was talking with his younger brother who at the time I believe was five and his younger brother started telling him stories and and he decided to animate or to, to uh, do a comic illu- illustrate them. the stories that his little brother was telling him yeah and the the main hero in these is well, axe cop, cop yeah a cop that carries an axe go figure uh so you, you can go from there it's it is very funny it funny in the sense of you read it and you think back to, well, you and I can think back to being a young boy and having these kinds of stories that we would come up with in our head. It's almost kind of refreshing, you know, it's like a piece of nostalgia almost. 
Um, yeah. but uh, to go back to the television series, um, bring, uh, on Fox in July, lead voice actor is to be Nick Offerman, who is Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation. So I know people that love that show and love his performance on that show. And I would dare say, even in looks, he fits that character to a T. Put some, you know, Texas aviators on him and he'd be perfect. My understanding is that the way they're doing the show, it's 11 minute segments, just like the adult swim shows where they're, they're, which makes sense because the comics themselves are very short too. They're like little one, one pagers. Okay. Um, Um, well, let's go ahead and, uh, Talk about uh, somebody that I know we both were, are fans of mm-hmm. uh, from the now defunct Totally Rad Show. Yeah. Well, and more than podcast. that as well, uh, he also did a video that went viral, uh, I want to say mid last year, that was a Portal fan vid of the video game Portal. Right. Uh, he has also done a short called More Than You Can Chew for the YouTube channel Black Box TV, which I showed you just the other night. And he, he's also done a, a numerous amounts of television commercials, which you've yes. probably seen mm-hmm. in your regular TV watching. Uh, so he, he has been growing up, and as is very common with people, they start off as either music video or commercial directors right. before being able to make the jump into television show and movies. Director. And uh, so Dan Trachtenberg, uh, Danny, TRS. Total, Danny TRS, former host of Totally Rad Show, has been picked up by New Line Cinema to direct the adaptation from the comic book of Why the Last Man. And a, a Why the Last Man movie is something that's been bantered around since the book came out back in something like 2002. I mean, people have been talking about doing this in the movie. Matter of fact, there was even a fan pilot that was made that you and I got most of the way through but didn't finish yeah. just because well, of time constraints. Uh, but it I looked... I wound up going back and finishing it oh, you because did? it's worth it. Oh, see, it, it looks it, promising. It's a 30-minute yeah, film, fan film for... Why the Last Man, and it really sets up kind of the opening of what would be a series. Yeah. Uh, so actually, that that's one of the things that bothers me most about this. That they're doing it as a movie as opposed to a series? As a single movie, how much... I don't know if they're doing it as a single. If they were to do this as a trilogy or, or potentially more, that would be phenomenal. I mean, for his career, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and maybe they'll do it as like a test the water thing. Like, because uh, we, we both heard the series... You know, if they set it from the beginning up to, say, uh, I'm trying to think of who he meets first, whether it's his sister or his girlfriend. I think his sister. Yeah. Like, like take it up to when he meets his sister and then kind of like cut it around there because that's a good kind of stopping point. Like, that would be a good chunk. I think they could chunk it out because it, it is a finite series. It went something, I think, like yeah, but- 14, 15 graphics. So you're talking about. Uh, six times 15, 60, no, 90, 90 total issues. So, uh, the, for those of you that aren't familiar with Why the Last Man, it's the story of Yurik mm-hmm. and his monkey Asterix, or sorry, Ampersand. Sorry. Ampersand, yeah. Wrong, wrong punctuation there. Yeah. Uh, his monkey Ampersand. Uh, Yurik wakes up to discover he is the last living man on Earth. Everything with a Y chromosome has died, except for him and his monkey. So... Uh, they don't. He doesn't know why, but he goes Nobody into this why. world, and uh, first thing you think is, "Great, I'm the guy. I get to sleep with as many women as I want." And then you realize women are just as crazy as every other person on this planet. Well, not only that, but society is gone. Oh because yeah. Because if if you look, and not not 
to be sexist, but if you look at the makeup of our political system, mm-hmm. mostly male. Oh yeah, and not just like uh, fifty-one to fi- to forty-nine. Oh yeah, dimensions. We're talking yeah, ten to one. Ninety percent of our political system is, is male. male. Oh yeah, yeah, and so well, and it's more than that too. And then you have the, other the groups social- that like another group that. Uh, I don't want to say devolves, but adopts a very Amazonian type of outlook yeah. in that they, men they were the enemy and they died because of divine punishment. Yeah. There's, you know, the, the religious, uh, fundamentalists and it, it, it it's very good at taking all these different political and societal viewpoints and using this catastrophe to really focus them to a laser like precision. And really hit on each one throughout the course of the And book. I think what, what's going to have to happen is I, I think they're going to do – they're going to have to work and create a single story that is complete and conclusive to itself. Something like the, the original Star Wars story where you yeah. can build yeah. a bigger universe around it and going after it with, with Empire and yeah. Jedi. But it, has to, but it has to be completely self-contained in the first issue. In that first, yeah, that first movie, um, and Dan's got a lot of work because of the oh yeah, absolutely, and, and the material that's touched well, on this. But he's somebody that loves this material. I mean, absolutely. even back before he was on TRS, he was on another podcast where it was a comic book podcast, yeah. very similar to ours. His was a video one, and the first book he wanted to talk about was Why the Last Man. I mean, this is somebody that is truly a fan of the material. And uh, as an interesting point, I don't know if you had seen this or not. When he made his pitch to New Line Cinema to be the director, Brian Brushwood actually helped him out by teaching him how to escape from a straitjacket because Yorick is an escape artist. Yeah. And, actually, and so he's giving his scene, pitch in a straitjacket as he's escaping Yorick, from it. He's in a straitjacket. Yeah. So um, I thought that was a neat little kind of side thing. I hadn't heard that. That's great. Yeah, I um, saw that one through on Twitter. That was kind of neat. But well, Another movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Yeah, rumor, well, rumor, that's, rumor that's being bandied about. Yeah. Uh, Zack Snyder. Director of uh, the new Superman movie, director of Watchmen, mm-hmm. uh, apparently is in talks to do a Star Wars spinoff. Uh, he's, he's developing a spinoff based off of Seven Samurai. Which I'm curious to see when in the Star Wars chronology he's going to place this. I, Will it be post-Jedi? I, I, Will it be somewhere in I the main think, trilogy, the prequel trilogy? I, I think it has to be somewhere. Uh, it could be set concurrent with the prequels. Or old, or it'd have to be set Old Republic. Um, oh yeah, because the Jedi Order Samurai, is destroyed and, afterwards. So. And I don't, I don't think they would be creating a movie that is concurrent to Episode Seven or beyond it. I think they want to leave that open. Yeah. To, to, at least right now, they want Seven, Eight, and Nine to whoever's going to take it over. Those, then they can go out beyond those yeah. as far as they want. But I think they want to have those three as a through line to kickstart going forward with mm-hmm. it. Uh, the unfortunate thing about this is I'm not sure that I want to see a telling of the Seven Samurai. Oh, okay. It'd be really cool, but I want something bigger, better for Star Wars than retelling of an old story. In Inside of the retelling of yes. an old story. Well, you've got Seven Samurai, which is the original Kurosawa film. Right. It was later turned into The Magnificent it, it, Seven, which is a great Western. Let's think. This isn't a spinoff. It's a mashup. Yeah. And which... Movies shouldn't be mashups. Movies should be original. Well, well I, I, no, I, I, I'll take that back. Take I'll take that, that back. There were That's some not very true. good mashups. They're very good. Yeah. Uh, but for, for me, this is not. This isn't chocolate and peanut butter. Uh, 
it could very well be good. It could be fun. It could be enjoyable. Is it necessary? Just, I don't think it's necessary. I think yeah. that's exactly what it is. It's not necessary, and I don't think it's going to be like it's not going to be chocolate and peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Might be chocolate and raspberries. Sure, you can eat them together, and they're okay, but but it's not necessary. They're, they're You'd not, rather just have chocolate. But they're not chocolate yeah. and peanut butter. They're not at Star Wars with an original story. Yeah. Uh, now, well, speaking of an original story, considering Star Wars, okay, there was a petition made to the White House. We we covered this. Yeah, it, it got it got enough votes that the White House has to respond, and they have put their response out as to why the United States government will not fund the building of a Death Star. We're not getting a Death Star. We're not getting a Death Star. They responded wrong. No, they responded accurately. Why? Well, because it would cost, I believe it was $850 quadrillion, which, if you are confused about how much a quadrillion is, well, I'm not just going to say it's... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not just going to say it's a lot because when you get into numbers that are that size, like literally after about a billion or even probably about after a million, people's minds just stop grasping the true vastness of oh, no. that number. Yeah. Is so it, is it, it bigger than a Sagan? Uh, I got to think I'll about that yes. actually. I, yeah. It bigger, is bigger than a Sagan? A, a, a Sagan is something four billion or larger. Okay. So, so yes, okay. it is bigger than a bigger Sagan. Sagan. Okay. I, I had heard that. I just can't remember what it was. Anyways, <laughs> the, the, the response to the petition that came out from the White House was actually titled, This is not the petition you're looking for. It is the funniest response to a petition you will ever see come out of the White House. And rightfully so. Yeah, okay. it, it is worth reading. You can go so, to whitehouse.gov and actually so we've said check cost. it and read it. Yeah. And- uh, Cost, uh, we already have a space station, uh, floating around our planet. Uh, the United States government does not condone the blowing up of other planets. Uh, there is a C3PO program. I didn't realize this. It's actually mentioned in the, uh, in the petition response. Ooh. Yeah, uh, it, it's the name of something else. It's actually like the, the way they, uh, shuttle supplies back and forth to the ISS. That shuttling is called C3PO. Interesting. Yeah, it was kind of neat. I like that. Um, Oh god, what are some of the other points uh, that were made in it? Uh, actually, I think. The, uh, oh favorite, yeah, uh, the structural uh, problems. Th- th- there is a flaw in the design. Of the, yeah, of the yeah, they, Star. yeah, they wouldn't spend uh, eight hundred fifty quadrillion dollars on something with a design flaw. So, uh, sorry, folks, no Death Star. Although they are building a Millennium Falcon somewhere out in the Midwest, so enjoy. <laughs> um, something I'm going to mention real quick is the final Wheel of Time book, the epic of epicness of fantasy. Basically, I would dare say uh, Robert Jordan is the author that had taken and run with the crown from Tolkien as far as creating a truly epic fantasy world and bringing it to fruition. Although, in all honesty, somebody else had to bring it to fruition because, unfortunately, Robert Jordan passed away before he finished. So you're giving him that claim over George R.R. Martin and... Over the Great Bearded Glacier, yes. Because, yeah. Because even though Robert Tolkien has two R's in his name, as does George R. R. Martin. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The main differences, though, is that uh, uh, Tolkien did, in fact, finish it. So I got to give him credit where credit is due. Okay. And, and did it during wartime. So bonus points. George R. R. Martin uh, has not finished his, 
has been writing on it for about the same time that Jordan was writing on Wheel of Time. Because I think, I want to say Game of Thrones is pushing the 20 year range. Okay. Um, there was actually, I mean, the, the, actually wrote after the Wheel of Time. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Right. You uh, know, it, instead it, of it doesn't matter, we're discussing Wheel of Time yeah. anyways. I just, yeah, I, we're, we're over time as it is. Okay. But, uh, the final book before Jordan passed away, who, who said he would write the final book even if it was 2000 pages. Uh, when he passed away, Brennan Sanderson took it over and told the editors and the publishers, there's no way this can be one book. So they ended up breaking it up into three and the final of the three, A Memory of Light. Uh, I just finished it actually last night and. You've had it about three days. I know I had it since last Tuesday. I had it a little less than a week. Um, this book ends the Wheel of Time series exactly the way that an epic fantasy series should end. It ends epically. And an it, epic tale of epicness? Even one of the characters is trying to come up with a ballad to describe basically the end of the world occurring in front of him. And he says, epic. No, I can't use that word. That word's overused. Monumentous? Uh, no, I can't use that one either. He eventually figures out the word. only word he can use is exquisite. Even though it's terrifying, even though it's, it's the end of the fucking world, but it is exquisite. And it's, it's poetic. The, the reason I would say this is epic, there is a chapter in this book that is 200 pages long. One friggin' chapter. Someone forgot to kind of separate chapters. You couldn't. <laughs> you honestly couldn't. There is so much going on. 200 so- pages is its own book. Yes, exactly. This book has books for its chapters. How fucking epic is that? That's kind of meta. Dude, tell me about it. Anyways, um, if you have not begun reading the Wheel of Time series, you can find almost all of them in audiobook if you want to spend some time as you're driving around in your car, just listen to it. This is... It's probably about two, two credits each on uh, Audible. It probably, they're, um, they're long. This book, you said you, you read it in about this, a week. This book was 900 and it's, and it's, it's fairly indicative as far as the other books in the series. 900 pages? They're, they're all within that 800 to 1000 page range. Yeah. Okay. Um, lots of reading. Lots of reading. Completely worth it. This, this is, I wish I could say this is the fantasy epic of our generation. Unfortunately, I think R.R. Martin will take that just because he has more media visibility. Yeah, that, They're that never going to make a deal kind of. I would love for them to make a Wheel of Time movie, book, a movie TV series. The comic that Dynamite is doing has been fantastic, and it's only for the first book, and they're on thirty some odd issues already. But it's I've being done talk, spectacularly. I've heard talk that uh, somebody may have been stars or Showtime was in talks to try and do a Wheel. They of have time. the rights to it, but I don't think they're actually going to do anything with it. Yeah. Not not just yet. Plus, being able to actually do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and with a story this size, yeah, it's, it's hard to lock in actors. Oh God, yeah. Oh well, this book. And, it, I mean, the actors go from eighteen to their mid forties, so you could have somebody grow up in this part, literally. Yes, like they did with Harry Potter. Exactly. However, you also run into the possibility of having a Dumbledore in the corner. Yeah. You have to older characters. Out. Yeah. Well, or, or as, as going the on, characters get killed off pretty regularly, so that might not be as big an issue as you think. Oh, you said they go from 18 to 44, so there's at least somebody that's... Well, they don't die, obviously. Well, 
Provided the, the, the old folks that are around them don't necessarily stick around. Hopefully that actor won't die. Well, good point. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's where I was getting there. Not yeah. necessarily that the, 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 that the story will kill him off, but the actor. Uh, okay, rapid fire at the end here. So a few more okay. things to run through. Um, I've started doing the Angry Birds fitness tracking schedule uh, with my exercises. Uh, Does go- this mean I get to throw plush red birds at you while you exercise? No. You could do it anyways, but... That won't help me. Um, it's a method of tracking your exercises throughout the week to make sure – to basically determine when you should start increasing the difficulty of the exercises that you do. It goes very well with the basic body weight workout and the advanced body weight workout that NerdFitness.com provides. I highly recommend checking out both the Angry Birds tracking program and the basic body weight workout. Both are excellent things that you can do in your living room in 30 minutes. I mean, okay. they're, these are the things that – Get rid of that whole I don't have time excuse. That's a bullshit excuse when things like this exist. Um, this week is testosterone week on Art of Manliness. Um, that's more than just, you know, grunt, Hulk smash stuff. This is talking about the actual chemical testosterone in the bodies of men. I feel my chest here growing already. Kind of. Uh, it is going to go over why testosterone oh, is important in men, why you should go and get your levels checked, uh, what sort of health ramifications there are, uh, what is a healthy level. And how way, what are some of the ways to boost your testosterone without needing any type of a chemical or drug supplement just through changes in diet, changes in activity, things of that nature. Um, how to be a more manly man. Kind of, yeah. So check out Art of Manliness this week. It'll be an ongoing series. Uh, it's being done by Brett McKay, the owner of the site. Uh, it, I think it'll be worth checking out. Uh, the last thing I was going to mention is uh, I've talked about my home brewing ideas before. I think I finally settled on what my next batch is going to be. I'm going to do a red and buff brew in in honor of our uh, joint fraternity. Yay. Yay. Go Dikai. Um, I haven't seen anything like this before. I've talked with a couple of the brewmasters that say that what I'm thinking of kind of falls into the realm of a saison. So I'm going to check a couple of those recipes and see if it fits fairly well. Um, but I'm going to give that try next and I'll let you guys know how it turns out. Uh, I say just I- make it layered. No, 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 no. Well, you can't, you can't brew something in a layer. You can pour it that you, way. You but... can brew two different beers and then layer them and drink them. Like and that's, that's way too much work. Way too much work. So black, <laughs> go, go to England, black and tans are for women. Anyways, that is, that's uh, that's it for this episode. All right. Well, uh, if you enjoyed this and we hope you did, uh, you can uh, let us know that you did. If you didn't, go ahead and let us know that you didn't, how we can improve it. All of our contact information is at about.me slash comic book tesseract. We got our website, Facebook, G Plus, Twitter, email, even our Google Voice account, so you can you can uh, text us or leave us a voicemail. Oh, All that's stuff. available at about.me/slash/comicbooktesseract. These episodes are released on the first and the sixteenth of every month, so go ahead and uh, subscribe in through iTunes or your favorite pod tracker uh, to pick up the latest episodes. And uh, again. Let us know what you think at about.me slash comic book tesseract. For Justin Chalupka, I'm Jason Pollock, and we'll see you next week when we step inside the Tesseract.